GOP governors are causing havoc by busing migrants to the East Coast. That's a headline in yesterday's New York Times, which is really confusing to me because for years now, I have been reliably informed by the entire establishment press and probably by the New York Times most of all, that the mass influx of illegal aliens across our southern border into red states is totally awesome. That it's a major benefit to the border states and to the whole country. That it's our strength, I am told. But now, now I'm being told that a minor influx of those very same illegal aliens into blue cities is causing havoc. How's that work? The New York Times writes, quote, a political tactic by the governors of Texas and Arizona to offload the problems caused by record levels of migration at the border is beginning to hit home in Washington as hundreds of undocumented migrants arriving on the governor's free bus rides each week increasingly tax the capital's ability to provide emergency food and housing. But hold on, wait, wait. Problems? I don't, hold on. I've been told for years that illegal immigrants don't use up public resources, that they are net contributors to the economy. So how is it that the busloads of immigrants are taxing Washington, D.C.'s, quote, ability to provide food and housing. They should be bringing their own food. They should be able to, to afford their own housing. They're, they're net contributors, right? That's what the libs tell us when the illegal aliens show up to the red states. What changed? The piece concludes with the sad story of a 22-year-old illegal alien named Juan who said he felt unwelcome in liberal Washington, D.C. Without any money or any way to support himself, he ended up in a homeless shelter. But he said, quote, the guys were yelling at us and we couldn't understand a word. It was clear they didn't want us there. Again, so, so weird. Because Texans and Arizonans and all the other Americans along the border have been clear that they don't want more illegal immigration. They don't want people being trafficked by criminal cartels into their communities, bringing crime and drugs and all sorts of bad stuff. It's always been the Democrat politicians in Washington, D.C., who have encouraged these foreign nationals to pay off the cartels and often go into debt with the cartels and enter into our country illegally. But it turns out those Democrats don't want the illegal aliens either. They just want to use the illegal aliens to weaken red states, to cause havoc. And after decades of this abuse at the hands of the libs, the red states are finally sending the havoc back to them. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from the Drummer's Workshop at Norm's Music, who says, they had a molecular biologist testifying during a Senate hearing, and they didn't even ask him, and by the way, Dr. Ebright, what is a woman? Very disappointing. That is very disappointing. I'm really upset. I want to call up Dr. Ebright and ask him that question. I want to get him on the record. And when I call him, you know I'm going to be using Pure Talk. Right now, head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowles. Bidenflation has left every business trying to nickel and dime you. They're all trying to figure out how much they can squeeze you to offset their increasing costs. Not Pure Talk. This is why I love Pure Talk. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand. They said, stop screwing over the American public. When you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you are going to get 
their best offer yet. You are going to get one month free, just completely free. You're going to save probably two-thirds of what you're, you're currently spending on your cell phone bill for all the talk, all the text, all the data you want on America's most reliable 5G network. You, you're going to do all of that for 30 bucks a month, except for that first month where it's $0 a month. Right now, when you make that switch, go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowles for this special offer. Do you need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs, not a company that sends them overseas to China or other places that hate us. You're choosing to support a veteran-owned American-based company and, most important of all, a sponsor of everything we do here at The Daily Wire and the sponsor of The Voice Mailbag, which is my favorite segment. So head on over right now to puretalk.com. Select a plan, maybe add a new iPhone or Android, whatever you want. Add promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Get one month for free. Speaking of strange headlines, <laughs> we got a strange headline actually from the Daily Wire. It's not just the Daily Wire, though. Strange headline that's coming from pretty much every news outlet in the country. And the headline is this. WNBA star Brittany Griner sentenced to nine years in Russian prison. And I think this is the first time that the Daily Wire has ever published fake news because they accuse us of, of publishing fake news all the time. I don't think we have until yesterday when this article came out because there is no such thing as a WNBA star, right? Can't we all agree on that? Regardless of what you think about the Brit- Brittany Griner situation, what's going on in Russia right now, I think left and right should all, we should all be able to agree there is no such category as WNBA star. The only reason that anyone has ever heard this lady's name is because she's been arrested for smuggling drugs into Russia. And the only reason that anyone is even talking about the WNBA is because of this international incident that was prompted by this anti-American lady athlete's uh, drug problem and her, her trip to Russia to try to make money in an off-season basketball league. So Brittany Griner, for those who have not followed the story, and that includes me, I didn't follow the story until yesterday when this was being blasted all over the headlines. Brittany Griner is a lady basketball player. She plays in the WNBA. And she, the WNBA players, because they don't make very much money because nobody watches the WNBA, they play in these leagues overseas where they can make a little bit more money. And so she was playing in some Russian basketball games and she flies over and she brings a bunch of hashish oil. She brings a bunch of the distilled essence of the devil's lettuce. And this is a big no-no in Russia. Russia has much, much stricter drug laws than America does. I think most countries have stricter drug laws than than America does. And so she gets stopped and she's arrested and she goes to trial and she was just sentenced yesterday to nine years in a Russian prison. How are we supposed to feel about this? Well, I'll I'll tell you one of the things that informed how I feel about this. I Googled Brittany Griner. I had obviously never heard of her before. And one of the first things to pop up is this article from a couple years ago in the Washington Post. Brittany Griner Brianna Turner call for the WNBA to stop playing the national anthem this season because they don't they don't like the national anthem. The national anthem is the Star Spangled Banner. The Star Spangled Banner is the symbol of our entire country. So I, I don't I don't know any way to interpret Brittany Griner's actions a couple years ago. I think through the present, other than she doesn't like America, she hates America. And she's playing in some foreign league, and then she breaks their laws, and then she comes running back begging America to help her. And I got to tell you, 
I'm not, the well is dry here. I'm trying to muster tears for Brittany Griner in her present predicament. They're not coming. They're not coming. I just, I, I guess, I guess generally I lean on the side of it would be good to bring her home. I, I'm 5149 on that side because certainly Russia is going to use her for political leverage to try to either have a prisoner swap with America or to try to put, put some political pressure for America to ease up on some of the sanctions or whatever. So she is going to be used as a political pawn. But I'm still 5149 here because I have to ask myself this other question. Does Russia have a right to make its own drug laws? I think so. I think Russia has a right to make its own drug laws. Are Russia's drug laws being selectively applied to this lady basketball player? No, certainly not. There's another story. No one's talking about this. We're all talking now about the lady basketball player. Well, just last month, you, you get, see a story from, this is right here in the BBC. Russia sentences U.S. teacher to 14 years for cannabis smuggling. It's the, it's the same sort of issue here, but because he's not in a woke kind of sports league, no one's talking about him really in the press. You get one article here in the BBC, but this guy was, uh, he, he was discovered with his drugs at, at Moscow's airport in 2021. And he, uh, he was a, I guess he was a former U.S. diplomat. He's now teaching in a school and he brought in some pot. Same issue that Brianna or whatever her name is, Brittany Griner was caught with here in Russia. Why are we talking about him? Maybe he'll be part of some deal. Okay, maybe. The other aspect of this, so does Russia have the right to make its own drug laws? I think so. Yeah. We have the right to make our own drug laws. Other countries have the rights to make their own drug laws. I think Russia has the same rights. Then the next question is, are Russia's drug laws totally insane and draconian? I don't think so. Russia's drug laws are just what the American drug laws were like 25 or 30 years ago, when America's drug laws made a lot more sense. Do we think it's good that we have liberalized all the drug laws and encouraged people to take more drugs. I don't think that's good. I think that's really bad. We've got the worst drug, drug overdose problem in American history right now. The problem is so acute that the American life expectancy has actually declined for the first time ever, but multiple years in a row. And it's declined because of deaths of despair, largely. We're talking about suicide and we're talking about drug overdoses. Major, major issues, especially with young people overdosing on drugs. I, bet, I know people who in the last two, three years have overdosed on drugs, people I thought would never have a drug problem. I, I'm certain that the vast majority of you know someone who has overdosed on drugs in recent years, opioids, fentanyl, whatever. So yeah, I, think, I actually think Russia's drug laws make a, a hell of a lot more sense than America's drug laws do. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, in America, we throw people in prison for carrying a dime bag of pot. That's not true. We actually don't do that. We, we barely throw drug dealers in prison, drug peddlers in prison. And when you allow drug dealers and drug peddlers to operate, you, you poison the country and you, you enrich criminal cartels. I think it makes a whole lot more sense what we see in Russia. And so then you got to ask yourself, why am I shedding a tear for Brittany Griner? The only reason that she's even appearing in the news is because she is super woke and she hates America. So sorry, lady, cry me a river. I'm just not I'm just not there. I think the lesson that we should take from this, here's a PSA for everyone out there traveling overseas. Don't smuggle drugs into foreign countries. Lesson number two, don't smuggle drugs into hostile foreign countries. Lesson number three, don't smuggle drugs into hostile foreign countries that have had nuclear weapons pointed at the heads of you and your countrymen for the last 70 years. Okay. That's, that's my PSA to everybody. The, the other lesson that we should maybe learn here is 
Maybe we could learn a thing or two from the way that other countries are dealing with the drug problem before our entire country overdoses on dope. Because we're, a, because we're a nation of dopes these days. Not the regular American people, but the political leadership. No question about it. When you want to protect yourself, when you want to protect yourself from the predations of terrible political leaders who are destroying the economy, you might want to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. The Consumer Price Index has reached yet another 40-year high. The latest GDP numbers confirm that the United States is in a recession, despite the best efforts of the current administration to redefine what recession means. We are right this second in a recession. Take action to protect your savings from a highly turbulent economy right now by diversifying at least some of your investment portfolio into gold and silver from Birch Gold Group. Text Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on how to transition an IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Birch Gold will even help you hold gold in a tax-sheltered account. For decades, investors have relied on gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Now you can too. Here we are. Here's the inflation. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, secure your future with gold from Birch Gold right now. Text Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to 989898. You get real help from Birch Gold today. That is Knowles. Text it to 989898. Claim your free no-obligation information kit on how to protect your hard-earned savings with gold. Speaking of bad stuff to put in your body, Cracker Barrel, it, no, Cracker Barrel's not the bad stuff. I love Cracker Barrel. The bad stuff to put in your body in this context is the fake sausage that Cracker Barrel is, is now peddling. Cracker Barrel had this post. It went up yesterday. They said, discover new meat frontiers. Experience the out-of-this-world flavor of the impossible sausage made from plants Next time you build your own breakfast. This story was brought to my attention by Aaron McIntyre. I, I looked at this story. I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is the most devastating argument against the free market I've ever heard in my life. This is devastating because there is no way in hell that the vegan, vegetarian, whatever fake sausage at Cracker Barrel is being driven by customer demand. Not one single person who has ever walked into a Cracker Barrel would even consider eating fake vegetarian sausage. Not one. People who walk into Cracker Barrel, myself included, tend to be a little hardier, a little more old school, sometimes a little more on the big bubba side of things. What they would want, if there were going to be any change to Cracker Barrel sausage, they would want them to add more meat to it. They would want the sausage to be pork and beef and probably veal, and they would just add as much meat as possible. Okay, this decision is being driven from the top. This decision is woke executives or who knows, the, the kinds of people in, in, fun, in the big funding firms, you know, in whatever it is, venture capital and the public markets who are pushing ESG, environmental, social governance policies. They're the kind of people who are saying, we need to impose these new standards. The same people who want us to live in our pods and eat the bugs and not own anything and be totally happy and stop driving cars and take bicycles everywhere and take public transportation. These are the people who say, don't eat, you don't get to eat your sausage anymore. You don't get to eat meat. Now you have to eat impossible meat. Yum, yum. It's so delicious. That's where those decisions are coming from. This is not a corporation responding to market demand. 
And unfortunately, that's, that's the way that a lot of our, uh, our market operates. That's the way a, a lot of our businesses operate. This is why, though I'm a conservative and I have a ton of respect for free markets, and I think free markets can be a good means to an end for a flourishing society, I do not worship at the altar of the free market, okay? Because I, I know, one, that free markets can be so easily perverted, and two, it takes a political order to set the parameters of a market. Just like you think of a physical marketplace that you go to, a physical marketplace has little roads and streets and building codes and, and ways that it's designed, and that's, that is established by the political order. Well, the same thing holds true in the economic market, in the, the more abstract market. And the fact is there are a lot of activists out there who are manipulating market forces to try to not respond to customer demand, but to change customer demand and to turn us into a nation of, to use a popular phrase, weak soy boy beta cucks who are just, <laughs> who are just eating a bunch of fake plant sausage instead of good, delicious pork sausage like we were intended to eat. So I, I certainly will never eat the impossible sausage at Cracker Barrel. I've seen outrage from fellow Cracker Barrel fans like I am. And if those guys know what's good for them, they will get rid of this vegetarian crap from the menu. Because until they do, I am not stepping foot back into a Cracker Barrel. These woke executives think they can force their will on us. I don't think so, Buster. Hit them where it hurts, right in the pocketbook. Enough about sausage. We have to get to monkeypox. There is a headline in the Washington Post about monkeypox. Here's the headline. As monkeypox strikes gay men, officials debate warnings to limit partners. What's the debate? What's the debate? Here, they're admitting, the Washington Post is admitting monkeypox strikes gay men. Virtually everyone who gets monkeypox is a homosexual man, and not even just any homosexual man, homosexual men who have sex with lots of other homosexual men. It's not even the ones who just have sex with one homosexual man. It's the ones who go to bathhouses and gay orgies and all that kind of stuff. And so we know that is how it spreads. In virtually all cases, that is how it spreads. But the officials are debating whether or not to tell them not to do that. They're debating it. Is that, well, I don't know. A lot of people are saying we shouldn't do. That's not nice. Thousands of, this is the first Paragraph. San Francisco. Thousands of gay men clad in leather, latex, and often much less partied along Folsom Street here last weekend during the annual kink and fetish festival, even after the city had just declared the monkeypox outbreak striking its gay community a health emergency. One day after the World Health Organization urged men to sleep with fewer men to reduce transition, San Francisco public health officials made no attempt to rein in festivities or warn attendees to have less sex. This is really sad. The fact that these festivals are even allowed to take place is a national scandal. <laughs> and, and sometimes we say, gosh, the founding fathers would be rolling over in their graves. Forget the founding fathers. People who were alive during the Clinton administration <laughs> would be rolling over in their graves, pulling their hair out. Many of them are. Okay. It wasn't so long ago that this sort of thing would be unthinkable. And now the public officials and the media are debating whether or not it is appropriate even to suggest that maybe the guys who show up to the leather kink fetish festival have sex with slightly fewer men at the festival to stop spreading a virus that is spread almost exclusively that way. Now, 
the, the debate here, the whole premise of the article is that monkeypox policy is being based on politics, not science. And we talked about this yesterday on a, a totally separate subject on COVID. But the same thing holds true here. That's good. The, the debate actually is good. It should be in the realm of politics, not of science. The libs are unwittingly at least engaging in the debate the right way. Because whether or not we want to have a society full of leather, kinky, fetish festivals and orgies and <laughs> people stooping each other in the middle of the street, that really isn't a scientific question. I don't care. If Fauci came out tomorrow and he said, we sh- we, the science is in, the data are here, leather, kinky, fetish festivals are very good for public health. I, well, I wouldn't believe him because he's Dr. Fauci, so I usually think that whatever he says, the opposite is true. But even if it were a scientist that were credible, I, I wouldn't care. It's not a question for the scientists in the lab coats. It's a question for us, for we the people in our political society. And I, for one, think that the reason that we should encourage homosexual men to stop having sex with multiple partners a day at the at the fetish festival in San Francisco, the reason to encourage them to do that is not just because they're going to get a virus that shouldn't even exist in America. The, the, that's one reason. But the other reason is it's bad for you. Don't do that. Do we really want a society with the leather festivals in the middle of San Francisco? I don't. I think that's bad. I think that should be discouraged. I don't think there's any constitutional right to the leather kink festival. I don't think there's any natural right to to have sex with multiple partners in the middle of the streets with a bunch of leather daddies and all sorts of weird, weird eccentric sexual. I don't think there's no right to that. And in America, we strongly discouraged that for a very long time through our laws and through our culture and through our standards and through our taboos. And now Now, not only do we tolerate it, but we celebrate it. And isn't that crazy? Does anyone seriously believe that the most liberal-minded person listening to this show right now, the most totally pro-LGBT, whatever you want to call yourself, do you really believe this sort of thing should be celebrated? We should celebrate. Oh, gosh. Norm MacDonald had a whole bit on this about the Pride Festival. And sometimes parents would show up to the Pride Festival. And you say, look, do I love my son my gay son? Yeah, I love my son. Do I tolerate homosexuality? Yeah, sure, maybe we'll tolerate homosexuality. Are you proud? You show up to the leather, the leather kink festival and you say, I'm so proud of my son. Gosh, I'm so proud. Look at him there, getting dragged around by a leash by three half-naked dudes. Gosh, nothing fills me with more pride than that. <laughs> no, of course not. And we as a society have some right to have some say about that as well, because we have something called community standards. So I'm, gl- I'm glad that the officials are debating this. I'm glad that we're not just taking a scientific explanation. Let's debate it. Let, great. I'm glad we opened up that, that, that debate. Let's debate it. I think it's bad for everybody and, and deviant and abhorrent. And we should just generally speaking, ban the leather festivals from the middle of the street so that, that they don't scare the horses or scandalize the kids or the rest of the public too. That's my, that's my side of the debate. Where do you fall in? I bet you, I bet you, the vast majority of people, I bet you the vast majority of reasonable homosexuals, the vast majority of everybody across all these demographics would agree, keep this crap out of the streets to stop monkeypox and also to stop all the decadence. Speaking of politics and science, Governor Ron DeSantis,
just removed a, a state attorney from office. He did this because he had a state attorney who refused to enforce the law. And there are a few laws here that the state attorney didn't want to enforce. He did not want to enforce a law that prohibits transgender surgery for the kids. He said, I, you know, I'm very pro-transing the kids. The governor and the state legislature have outlawed transing the kids. Well, I don't care. Screw their law. I'm, I'm going to continue to support transing the kids. And then the other one was Florida's abortion laws. So now that Florida has more pro-life laws in place, the state attorney said he wasn't going to respect those laws or acknowledge them. And so Ron DeSantis came out and he said, all right, you lost your job. The Constitution of Florida has vested the veto power in the governor, not in individual state attorneys. And so when you flagrantly violate your oath of office, when you make yourself above the law, uh, you have violated your duty, uh, you have neglected your duty, and you are displaying a lack of competence uh, to be able to reform those duties. And so today, we are suspending state attorney Andrew Warren effective immediately. Love this. This is awesome. This is actually, I would say, Reagan-esque. You can tell. Ron DeSantis is modeling himself after two people. Donald Trump, he's talking kind of Trumpian terms. He even does the hands sometimes. And Ronald Reagan. He's, Ron DeSantis has a little more polish than Trump does. One of Trump's charms is that he's not polished at all. Ronald Reagan was much more polished and DeSantis has a lot of that as well. And especially in this action here to fire the state attorney, it reminded me of when Reagan came out, when the air traffic controllers were illegally striking, threatening American travel and national security, frankly. And Ronald Reagan came out. They all thought he was going to cave and give in to the union demands. And he said, look, if you don't show up for work in a couple of days, you're all fired. It is for this reason that I must tell those who fail to report for duty this morning they are in violation of the law, and if they do not report for work within 48 hours, they have forfeited their jobs and will be terminated. Why not a, uh, some lesser action this morning? What lesser action can there be? The law is very explicit. They are violating the law. And as I say, we called this to the attention of their leadership, whether this was conveyed to the membership before they voted to strike, I don't know. But uh, this is one of the reasons why there could be no further negotiation while this situation uh, continues. You can't sit and negotiate uh, with a union that's in violation of the law. And their oath. And their oath. And their oath. Well. Well, I'm going to fire all those dirty, rotten commies, <laughs> and then we're going to hire up some more. We're going to hire up some more air traffic controllers, and all the rest of them can go pound sand. <laughs> and, and he does it with a smile, but he's very firm. Ron DeSantis is doing the same thing. You don't do your job, you're going to lose your job. Simple as that. He's calling their bluff. In many ways, it, it's a, a similar kind of forcefulness. It's a similar kind of courage that you're seeing from those governors in Texas and Arizona we talked about at the top of the show. They're saying, you're going to force illegal immigration on us. It's, it's illegal, first of all, and you're going to force it on us and you think we're going to take it. We're not going to take it. We're going to send it to your backyard. You deal with it. And what are the shrieks? What are the cries? This is lawless. How ironic. People who are committing crimes and people who are encouraging crime, accusing the people who are fighting back against it of being lawless. And they'll say, this is authoritarian. This is authoritarian of you, Governor Abbott. This is authoritarian of you, Arizona. This is authoritarian of you, Governor DeSantis. 
you guys are are exercising political power. You guys, in the case of Ron DeSantis, you're legislating morality on issues like transgenderism and abortion. And you know what I say to that? You're, you're darn right. Yes, that's true. The, the longer I live, the less convinced I am that the word authoritarian means anything at all. I don't know. What does it mean? Today, you're called authoritarian if you say we shouldn't have leather kink festivals outside of elementary schools in San Francisco. Today you're called authoritarian if you say, maybe we, maybe we discourage heroin use on the streets. Oh, you crazy authoritarian. What does that mean? What, is it, what does it mean? What, authoritarian used to have a meaning, which is that you would unjustly and capriciously and arbitrarily wield power without any kind of reason whatsoever. But that's not what they're talking about. Now they're just saying anytime any conservative wields any political power whatsoever, he's an authoritarian. And it's just ridiculous. It doesn't mean anything. And sometimes the conservatives accuse the left of that. You're authoritarian. What does that mean? What does authoritarian actually mean? It means you have a, an idea that you enforce in the public square. By that measure, even the libertarians are authoritarian. Their, their insistence that we're not allowed to have community standards, their insistence that we're not allowed to, to do anything about drugs or weird sex stuff or transing the kids, or, that, that insistence is in itself authoritarian. There is no way to escape what is meant by this ridiculous use of the word authoritarian these days, which is namely, who has political power and who wields it? The question is not, are we going to have political power? The question is, who is going to have the political power? How is that political power going to be wielded? And for, for too long, the right has said, we don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want to use it. Don't make us do it. We're going to have to do stuff. We'll need courage. We'll need clarity. We don't want that. And what has happened? The left has exclusively wielded power and it's destroyed our culture. That's the question. There was a hearing yesterday uh, uh, with the FBI director, Christopher Wray, asking, hey, has anyone been disciplined over Crossfire Hurricane, the spying on Donald Trump's campaign and the undermining of Donald Trump's administration, all based on nothing, colluding with the Democrats who wielded power? And you know what Chris Wray said? He said, oh, it's kind of slowed down. Can you give me an idea of anyone who's been held accountable uh, who was involved in Crossfire Hurricane investigation? What specific actions, if any, have been taken? Well, we've taken a whole slew of actions in response to the Crossfire Hurricane report. I think over 40 plus corrective measures and Is so forth. Is anybody in the bureau? There are a number of disciplined. There are a number of people who are currently in uh, our what we call Office of Professional Responsibility, which is our disciplinary arm. Uh, you may wonder why has that not yielded its results yet, and that's because we are working closely with, cooperating closely with, and assisting the Durham investigation. And so that whole process, which is not unusual, uh, has been sort of slowed down to make sure that it doesn't interfere with the Durham investigation. Okay. Let me translate that for you out of deep statees, out of bureaucraties. What that means is, yeah, they're not going to get in trouble. Yeah, the people who spied on the Republican presidential campaign and did everything they could to undermine that campaign and get the Democrat elected, working directly with the Democrats, by the way. And then the people who, who undermine the Trump administration baselessly, they're not going to face any consequences. We're slowing down in accordance with the usual rules of the investigation of the blah, blah, blah. Why? Because they've got the power. That's why. Because <laughs> power will be wielded. There will be order. We talk about this very often when it comes to questions of limited government. There will be order, okay? At a certain point, there will be order. And the question is, will we govern ourselves? Will we 
control, govern ourselves both in our personal behavior and in our political life? Or will order be imposed top down by people who are not very accountable to us? Those are our options. You can't just have anarchy, though. That's not going to happen. Pa- there will be order and there will be power. And the question is, are we going to give all the power to the deep state? Are we going to give all the power to the bureaucrats? Are we going to give all the power to the scientists? Are we, all those scientific technocrats like Fauci, are they going to have all the power? Are we going to give all the power to the Democrats in Washington? Are we go- or are we going to use justly some of the power that happily the people occasionally give us and ship those migrants, those illegal immigrants, over to the Democrat cities and say, no, we don't want leather kink fetish festivals on the streets of our American cities. And no, we don't want drugs everywhere. And no, we don't want crime everywhere. And yes, we will have a good flourishing country. That's my whole political ideology. Here, it's, not, it's not left, right, this, that. Here's my whole political ideology. I want a good, sane, normal country. <laughs> That's it. That's the ideology, okay? And I think, I think probably most people agree with me on that. Is it ironic to make an ad for an ad-free viewing experience? Maybe. Maybe it is. But that's exactly the type of experience you will get when you subscribe to Daily Wire Plus. This is our growing hub for all things Daily Wire, where you will find shows and podcasts like this one, and movies, and bonus content, and coming soon, kids content. Daily Wire Plus is everything you love about Daily Wire, plus so much more, and minus the ads. Go to dailywireplus.com, become a member today, Get 35% off your new membership. That's dailywireplus.com. Now we get to my absolute favorite time of the week that I've been waiting for all week. This whole sleepless week. First week with my newborn little second son. And I've just said the thing that's keeping me going. Forget about the love of my beautiful family. Forget about my coffee. Forget about all, you know, you know what's keeping me going? Knowing that at the end of the week, I've got the voicemail bag brought to us by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, enter promo code Knowles Podcast to get one month free. Let's get to the first voicemail bag question. Hi, Michael. My name is Brayden. My pronouns are he, him. I am wearing a sleeveless shirt with short running shorts, and I'm about to go on a run. I identify as white, but during the summertime, people misidentify me as tan. Mm -hmm. With the increase in LGBTQ themes in children's films, I would appreciate it if you could quickly expound on why this content, such as a gay or lesbian kissing scene, which would be similar to something you would see between a Disney prince and a princess, is wrong. This is one of those things that feels wrong to me, but I'm struggling to explain to myself why. I appreciate it, and again, thank you so much for your show. Oh, well, this is easy. It's, it's wrong because boys are supposed to kiss girls. I think, are you asking why gay kissing seems wrong to people? Why people just have a kind of natural reaction to it? Is is because we know that boys are supposed to kiss girls. This doesn't mean that we need to be really cruel and mean to homosexuals. It doesn't mean that homosexuals don't exist and haven't always existed. It just means that's not normal. That's not the way things are supposed to be. Things have purposes. The the leftist tears tumbler has a purpose. It's to carry delicious, salty leftist tears. The microphone has a purpose. It's to transmit my dulcet tones to you right directly to your ears. And our bodies have purposes too. And when we're talking about sexuality, the purpose of male sexuality is for women and women's sexuality is for men. And they come together in marriage. And the purpose of that is the generation and education of children. We can know this using the light of our own reason from the natural created world, okay? Now, 
This is a fallen world. Things are a little crazy. We've all got things about us that are a little eccentric and off kilter. And a gay kissing would be an example of that, something that's clearly off-center, off-kilter, not, not quite right. Doesn't mean we're, we got to arrest these guys. Doesn't mean we got to <laughs> be really cruel or ostracize them or anything like that. But likewise, and we were talking about this earlier in the show, there's a difference between toleration and celebration. There's a difference between acknowledging that there are some weird things in the world and there are some things that are kind of uh, off-center and then putting those things right into the center. I was talking to a, a friend of mine, Jonathan Peugeot, the other day, and he, he made this really, really important point, which is if you look at medieval manuscripts, at the center, you know, you'll see all these beautiful images, lots of really beautiful gold inlay, and obviously the text. But then on the, the outsides, on the fringes of, of the page, you'll see these weird little strange drawings of, you know, elves and and even little drawings that are not quite obscene, but they're really kind of out there. And that's the way the world works. There is a center, there is a standard, there is the way things are supposed to be, and then there are things that are off-center and wrong and aberrant and deviant, and that's part, that's part of the world. And some are really, really wicked and evil and terrible, and some are just a little bit off, and we use our reason to perceive which is which. That, that's why, though. And so the, the issue with putting you know, Prince Charming kissing the other Prince Charming in the Disney movie is not that it's the worst, most terrible, awful sin on the, on the planet or imaginable. It's just that it's, that's, not, that's not the sort of thing that stirs people's souls, and it's confusing, and it's off-center, and that's why we, we react against that. I'm, I'm just describing a natural reaction, okay, that Disney wants to deny because putting sex completely aside for a sec, forget about the homosexuals, even putting all of sex aside for a second, the project of these people who are cultural Marxists or social radicals or the radical left or whatever you want to call them, the project is to redefine reality. The project is to say, here's the way the world is. I hate it. I want to completely change everything about it, and I'm going to redefine everything. And, and the, the wokeness that you're seeing in Disney is a part of that project. All right, next question. Hey, Michael, longtime listener, possibly converting to Catholicism because of all your infinite wisdom. Here's nice. my question. Do you think the church has a role in politics? And here's what I mean. I think of mega churches that refuse to chime in on cultural issues such as abortion, gay marriage, whatnot. They just simply care about growing their audiences, reaching out to the millennial crowd. I think of specifically in Georgia right now, Two huge mega church pastors, Louis Giglio, Andy Stanley, refused to say anything about the Senate race going on or the gubernatorial race with Stacey Abrams. And, uh, and then obviously, like I said, the Senate race with Raphael Warnock. Do you think they have a role in saying anything? Do you think they should be preaching their congregation about the who is the most biblical candidate? Um, because they, they really refuse to say anything. Andy Stanley in specific in Georgia wrote a book about not getting involved in politics. So... Thanks, Michael. Again, love the show. Great question. And the short answer is yes. Of course, the church has to be involved in politics because the church is a public institution. The church is not a private institution. In the sense, When you say your prayers alone at night, and maybe you don't say them alone, maybe you pray with your wife or your family, but when you do have private prayer, that is when religion for you is private. And it's still not even private because you're talking to someone, you're talking to God or maybe praying to the saints, or maybe, but 
you could say, okay, right here on this terrestrial plane, that's private. But the church is where two or more are gathered. When, when Christ is describing his church on earth, he's saying, where two or more of you are, I am there also. And in our modern world where we're obsessed with individualism, this doesn't make sense to us. I say, what do you mean two or more? Why not just one? Why not just me? You see this especially coming out of the Puritan tradition. Uh, I, I'm, right now I'm, I'm reading Pilgrim's Progress, and a, a lot of my ancestors come from the Puritan tradition. And the Puritan tradition is all about really the individual relationship with God. And th- that's why it's had such an effect on the modern world and especially in modern America. But that was kind of a new idea. And in my mind, it's, it's not the correct idea of how to understand Christianity, which is that we are in the body of Christ and we are, it's, it's where two or more of us are gathered. That's, that's really where we find our church. And, and of course, and, and so the church's mission is to make saints. That's the point of the church, is to, is to make sure that you go to heaven and to, to uh, work on your soul. Uh, but the church, being a public institution, obviously has, has something to say about public things and obviously something to say about morality and politics and, and public are synonyms. Political and public mean this, the very same thing. And because all politics ultimately is theological, then if you're not getting your, your moral ideas from the church, you're going to be getting it from somewhere else. And uh, a, a, a society based on the religion of leftism is going to be a lot worse than a society that uh, comes out of your church. Next question. Hi, Michael. Thank you for listening to my question. Um, So with all of the Beyonce controversy going on, I thought now would be a good time to bring up her music video. And I believe this is back from 2008. It's called XO. And at the three minute and six second mark, there's a flash of an actual demon. And it has nothing to do with the song or the video. Um, it's very scary and it's barely a second long. I haven't heard anybody talk about it and I don't understand why the word spaz is so controversial, but an actual demon that does not belong there, (laughs) why is nobody talking about it? And also on her Lemonade album, there's like a poem that she did and there's a line in it that says, I plugged my mensis with pages from the holy book so that sounds like witchcraft to me um i've also heard that she has lawsuits due to severe witchcraft like her tour mates or whatever said that she was like using their kittens as sacrifices and it's very scary so i just wanted another pair of eyes on this to maybe shine some spotlight on it and see what the heck is going on with beyonce so thank you again for taking my question and have a blessed day. So I don't know about the, the witchcraft kitten stuff, but I do remember the demon image. And it's really, really weird. If you haven't seen this video, it just, Beyonce just flashes a demon, like an actual demon, just without any, any, any reason that, that would come from the plot of the music video or anything like that. It just flashes the demon there. And I have to tell you, I'm not surprised when that sort of stuff happens because the devil is the prince of this world, <laughs> because we're fighting against uh, principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in the high places. So when, when that, that peeks through the, the veil a little bit, I'm not, I'm not really all that surprised. Uh, demons are real. 
The devil is real. To quote Antonin Scalia when he was giving an interview to a very glib New York Magazine reporter, many more intelligent people than you and me have believed in the devil, okay? Uh, you, you should have a healthy caution about spiritual wickedness. You, you, should, you should have a healthy fear of sin and do your best not to sin because it's all real. Okay, it is all real. C.S. Lewis makes an important point too, which is sometimes when people come to realize that good and bad are, are real things and the devil is a real person and uh, people get really, really interested in that, in the occult. In, and and you're, you are seeing a rise in interest in the occult right now, uh, especially as public Christianity wanes. And C.S. Lewis gives good advice, which is, you should, not, you should not totally ignore the fact that demons are real. You, you need to be aware of it, but you shouldn't be too interested either. Be aware of it. Know that it's real. Be on guard. You know, the, the devil is crouching in the corner. Sin is crouching in the corner waiting to pounce on you and gobble you up at every given second. We are living in a world of intense spiritual combat happening all around us and through us. Uh, but don't harp on it all the time, okay? I don't know what Beyonce is doing. I mean, she's had all sorts of weird uh, occult kind of imagery in, in her music for a long time. So I hope, you know, hope things turn out okay for her. Uh, but when, as far as it pertains to you, I don't really care about Beyonce all that much, though we do share a last name and are probably cousins. Uh, you know, as it, as it pertains to you, I wouldn't focus on it too much. Uh, just do the right thing and don't sin. Don't sin and don't sacrifice any cats and don't do whatever Beyonce allegedly did with the book and all, you know, with the Bible and everything. Don't do that. And just, you know, just, okay, do the right thing. Next voicemail back question. You know, Michael, you talk an awful lot about being Sicilian and swarthy, you know, hairy and dark. Well, you're not that dark. You don't look that hairy. You got the brown hair. Maybe you got the brown eyes. It's hard to tell. But, you know, I got to question you. You say you're Sicilian. You say you're Italian. But I just don't know. I mean, come on. What's Knowles? What was your mother thinking marrying a guy named Knowles? How Italian are you really? How Sicilian are you really? Mm -hmm. I got to question you on that. But, you know, I wouldn't expect anything different from a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. Anyway. You can tell from the accent. Sincerely. Mm -hmm. A 97.5% Italian from Massachusetts. Massachusetts, yeah. Uh-huh. Really good question. Some have wondered if Knowles is an anglicization from Ellis Island of cannoli. Though, no, in fact, I am half wasp and Irish, and then the other half is Sicilian and Calabrese. I would hope that my, for those of you who are only listening to this right now, I'm wearing a black button shirt today, uh, you know, an Oxford shirt. I'm wearing a sort of eggplant-colored blazer. I am as close to Al Pacino as I'm ever going to be in this, all right? So what I would say to you, my friend from Boston, is please forget about it. One last question. I want to get to a regular mailbag question before we go. Question is from Mark. Hello, Mr. Knowles. Love the show. I have a question about prenuptial agreements in a Catholic marriage. I'm not currently dating anyone, but all the horror stories I hear about fathers losing custody of their children terrifies me. I understand that marriage is a true thing, and therefore divorce is impossible. However, I also know that legal divorces happen often. Of course, it would be ideal that this not happen, but in light of the fact that it does, would it be acceptable to sign some sort of prenuptial agreement before marriage? Thank you. Really good question, because it, you, you, <laughs> if, if marriage were still protected 
in public by the state as it had been until really the 1960s and 70s and, and even later, uh, then you wouldn't need to worry about this. But because the state is actively opposed to marriage at this point and actively destroying marriage and weakening it, uh, you, you, you probably would have to protect yourself. What I would recommend, if you're worried about it, and I did not sign a prenuptial agreement myself, but if, if, if you are worried about this thing, you would consider signing a prenuptial agreement that basically forces you to stay in the marriage. <laughs> so now in modern America, there's something called no-fault divorce, which renders marriage almost meaningless. Long before the court redefined marriage and attempted to destroy the institution by enshrining same-sex marriage, no-fault div- divorce dealt a much tougher blow at marriage even than Obergefell did. So you could sign a prenuptial contract that just says, we will not have a no-fault divorce. If one of the parties attempts to bring a no-fault divorce, the, the other party has, you know, th- that, that party has to pay the other half a million dollars or something. <laughs> you, could, you, you could sign a contract that limits your options and says, if one party uh, brings a divorce, then the other party gets everything gets all the kids, gets all the money, gets all the house, gets everything. That, that would be, it's really just occurring to me now, that would be a great way to use this really ugly tool of the modern world that weakens marriage, namely the prenuptial agreement. Use that to actually strengthen marriage. That's really, that's a, that's a nice way to be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you on Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022.